This podcast number 816 with Edward Hess is brought to you by Kim Law. Kim is a co-author of the book entitled Compassionate Conversations, How to Speak and Listen from the Heart. In our world today, what Greg and Kim speak about in this podcast is so very important and worth listening to. The conversation has an immense power to deepen our relationships and cast light on our shared reality. This book is intended to show that compassionate conversations can happen, even when challenging, and our differences can inform and inspire us, rather than overwhelm and divide us. If you want to learn more about Kim Law and her co-authors and the book Compassionate Conversations, please visit her website at www.kimberlylaw.com. That's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y-L-O-H. Com. And now for a featured podcast, I hope you enjoy Greg's informative interview with Professor Edward Hess about his book, Hyper Learning, How to Adapt to the Speed of Change. Happy listening! Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I have Ed Hess, Ed D. Hess, uh, He's a professor of business administration. Uh, he's written over 13 books on the line with me, uh, joining me from Charlottesville. Is that right? Charlottesville? Or Charlotte? Yes, yes. Okay. Charlottesville. Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay. And good day to you. How are you doing, Ed? Good day to you, sir. I'm doing wonderful, and I hope you are. And thank you very much for inviting me to be part of your wonderful program. Well, we appreciate having you on, and we appreciate, I particularly, we were just talking about this, I appreciate the perspective you've taken about how you're working with uh, your students in teaching the business practices that you do. And some of Ed, it's actually Edward D. House, you can look him up, he's at the darden.virginia.edu faculty. And uh, you can learn more about him there. And there's a great little video when you click on his picture. Uh, some of his areas of expertise are organic growth, innovation and learning, mindsets, behaviors and processes, high performance organizations and values-based leadership. And Ed spent more than 20 years in the business world as a senior executive. Um, he, he joined academia in 2002 as an adjunct professor of organizational and management at, is it Gozeta School of Business? Gozeta. Gozeta School of Business at Emory University, where uh, he was the founder and executive director for the Center of Entrepreneurship and Corporate Growth and the Values-Based Leadership Institute. Then in 2007, he joined the faculty at Darden, School, uh, business school as professor of business administration and the first Batten executive in residence. Um, he teaches obviously MBA students. He is the author of 13 books, over 140 practitioner articles and over 60 Darden cases dealing with growth, innovation and learning cultures, systems and processes. The common theme of his work is high individual and organizational performance. Uh, his book, Smart Growth, was named the top 25 business books in 2010 for business owners by Inc. Magazine and the top 10 books uh, for 2010 by the Toronto Globe. And, and he was awarded all kinds of awards for that. He also um, 
wrote other books, and you can look those up on Amazon. But we're going to be speaking with him today about a new book that's due out September 1st. Um, and this is a Barrett Kohler book, and it's called Hyperlearning, How to Adapt to the Speed of Change. And boy, is that uh, very <laughs> important today, because more than ever, and I think it, uh, COVID has just kind of exacerbated the issue, but it's been oncoming. It's almost like a, a groundswell uh, that we've all had to like keep up. So, Ed, can you, for our listeners, define what you refer to as hyperlearning, and what does it mean, and why should the listeners out there today be interested in a topic on hyperlearning? They might be saying, wow, I'm exhausted from just trying to keep the pace. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I define hyperlearning as the human capability to learn, unlearn, and relearn continually in order to adapt to the speed of change. And why is that important in the environment uh, that we've been in and that we are in and that we're going into? It all comes down to, to technology. The digital age is going to transform how we live and how we work. And it's the convergence of several technologies that are advancing at fast pace, artificial intelligence and big data and increased connectivity, increased computing power, biotechnology. And new knowledge is be, being created faster and faster. And the shelf life of what we think we know is going to become shorter and shorter, projected to be two years to three years. Even more important, artificial intelligence is going to continue to advance and automation is going to accelerate. The best research basically predicts between 24 and 47 percent of all the jobs in the U.S. will be automated within the next 10 years. And that includes professional jobs. And degrees are no longer, if you will, your, anybody's protection. To stay relevant in the workplace and to stay ahead of the automation, we'll have to continuously learn new skills and new ways of adding value. And fundamentally, we're going to have to, we'll have meaningful work, all right, in the digital age if we can basically excel at doing the types of skills that the technology won't be able to do well. And that falls basically into three buckets. One, we need to think differently than technology. All right. And that's creative, imaginative, innovative thinking, higher order, critical thinking, including making decisions where there's lots of uncertainty, not a lot of data. And most importantly, exploring the unknown and by basically going into the unknown and figuring things out by doing rapid experiments and making moral judgments. So you got to think differently than technology. If it's something linear that you're doing over and over, if it's linear thinking with lots of data, there's no way we will be either smarter or faster or than, than technology. The big difference between us humans and technology is emotions, okay? Emotionally connecting and relating with other human beings in positive ways will be um, a, our human uniqueness going forward. And in the business world, connecting with human beings in, in the creation and delivery of service and products will be a primary way, if you will, to have meaningful work. But that all boils down to our abilities to connect and emotionally engage with people in positive ways. And that requires emotional intelligence, and it requires a concept I call otherness the ability to build caring, trusting, compassionate relationships with others. 
And there's what challenges are, to all of that. Go ahead. Ed, what is the vision that you see for a country like ours, 350 million people that, you know, look, we don't have as many manufacturing jobs as, as um, many other countries like China, India. Um, but, you know, when you talk about in 10 years, we're looking at autonomous cars, autonomous trucks, uh, a, a lot of people yeah. being, um, I don't want to call it, removed from their positions and having, and you're talking about learning and you're saying, well, now you have to relearn if you're going to yep. contribute to society as a general rule. Is there enough room for all these people to relearn or from a political commentary right here. Are we going to need to set up the Andrew Chang $2,000 a month? Let's just send them a check. Well, I think, I think this is a, this is a yes and answer. All right. One, yes, there will be, there will be jobs for people. And a lot of those jobs are going to be jobs that are created in, in communities. Um, and, and a lot of those jobs are going to be service jobs, um, helping other people, whether helping other people learn, whether it's helping, you know, delivering services, but it's going to be the human social types of jobs. And unfortunately, those jobs in our society, people who do those jobs today are not paid, in my judgment, this is personal, are not paid the value that they're delivering. And so they're, they're, they're at the lower end of the scale and that's going to have to be transformed. We're, we're going to have to make major changes in our philosophy about work, about fairness, um, economic, if you will, dignity, economic justice, as well as social justice. And so do we, are we going to need a, a UBI? We're going to basically need a more definitive social safety net uh, than we have today. Yes. Okay. Are we going oh. to? But the key thing, the key thing is, is that human meaning and purpose comes from making a contribution. Right. We're going to have to create community jobs, and, and in, a, in a sense, where people can make a contribution. It's 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 almost going back, if you will, to our to our ancestors, our ancient ancestors, uh, who learned that. By collaborating and helping each other out, we will all be much more successful than our survival of the fittest, winner-take-all, very few winner types of, uh, of culture. And so, yes, this is going to require cultural changes in our country, social changes in our country, educational changes in our country. And But the key is, is for people being able to adapt and to, if, if, if they're not trained to do the types of jobs that, that are going to be jobs, then can they, let's all, we have to have programs that basically have people doing community jobs, working in the community, helping each other. And there may be, if you will, um, and those jobs may be everything from uh, farming to being a teacher's aide, to being, a, you know, social services, to being uh, driving elderly people to places, but right. they need to be paid, they need to be paid a fair, a fair wage. Because our our system is our system is out of whack. I've written. I wrote a paper two years ago uh, for uh, the oh, most certainly Pepper, Pepperdine. On yeah, most certainly capitalism. out of out of whack. Yep. And I and I think yep. that you know the standard of living that we've created in this country is extremely high in comparison to a lot of other nations. And 
um, we we need to be able to provide some level of, uh, I almost hate to use the word equanimity, but there's got to be a way to equal it out. You know, the disparity between the extremely wealthy in this country and middle class and the people that are impoverished is is pretty severe. Um, and so there's going to be lots of work that's going to have to take place there. Now, not that was a little off the track, but it was an important commentary. And I appreciate that because I think hyper learning is about a shift in mindset and consciousness. So here's the next question. You stated that inner peace is at the foundation of hyperlearning and is the building block for hyperlearning. And I want you to speak our, to our listeners about how to achieve this inner peace and mention those 10 powers of inner peace. Now, that being said, this is an Eastern philosophy in my commentary. We were talking about this. And we live in a world that's pretty Western. We also live in a world that's got a lot of unrest going on it right now, a lot of division. And to come to this place of inner peace requires that each one of these individuals have a shift in their consciousness and mindset. Um, what are those 10 powers of inner peace and how would you recommend people reaching that? Okay, a very, very good question. Let me, if, if I can, let me explain why inner peace is so important. All right. As we're talking about hyper learning and learning new skills for the job place, learning new skills to, to, to have a meaningful work in our society. Your listeners and everything need to understand, well, why do we need to do something different? We, we, we know how to learn. We know how to do something. Well, the science, the science of learning is very clear. We are all suboptimal learners. We basically our brain is a very fast, efficient processor, okay? It's, it's very small, but it burns a lot of energy in our body. And if, if, if you will, we, we are wired, we are wired to not learn, okay? We basically see what we believe. We don't, if, once we get to the adult age, we basically go out in the world and seek confirmation of what we believe affirmation of our ego and re and cohesiveness of our stories about the world well in a world that's changing all of that gets in the way of learning so how do we basically calm down and quiet down those if you will it's it's, it's neuroscience and it's also emotions how do we calm down if you will all of those things which basically prevent us from learning and being open-minded and being exploring, exploring new things, et cetera, at the pace we're going to. And it's basically, we have to, we have to be in a, in a situation where we take ownership of what's going on inside of us, our inner world, our ego, our mind, our body, our emotions. And inner peace is this state of inner stillness and calmness, okay, that allows us to go out in the world with an open mind, a fearless mind, and a lack of self-absorption, because the two big inhibitors to learning are ego and fear. Well, inner peace reduces ego, and inner fear helps reduce fear. All right, inner peace helps reduce fear. So, how do you get inner peace? Well, first of all, you got to define it, and I define it as a, a quiet mind. Excuse me, I'll start quiet ego, quiet mind, quiet body, in a positive emotional state. Mm -hmm. If you can get to that point, 
All right. If you get to that point, what happens is is the ten powers that um, that you asked me to talk about. And that's the power. Or at least, of at least to mention. <laughs> yep. Yep. The, the power. The power of serenity. All right. The mm-hmm. power of humility. The power of slowing down. That's that's an amazing power. The power of slowing down to be really present, to quiet our mind and be really here, really really engaged with the person we're talked to, not having our what's called our monkey mind chattering and, and saying stuff to us and critiquing the other person and critiquing ourselves and wondering whether you know he or she likes me and am I am I am I making a good impression to have this quiet mind, quiet ego. And it's also the power of being fully present, the power of reflective listening, truly listening to somebody. Without having, without basically creating in your own mind the answers while they're talking, without basically letting your mind wander, and you, so you're not listening. The power of positive emotions. Positive emotions used, are, are Ed. We are used to call that. Important. We used to call that. Pardon me for interrupting, but we used to call yeah. that listening heart-centered listening. And yes. I just yes. did an interview with a Shambhala Press book called Compassionate Conversations. So this is mm-hmm. out in the world. It's so important yes. what you're saying, yes. these these yes. 10 powers in quieting the ego. Yes. But what it's leading to really is a huge shift in one's consciousness to be able to learn. Um, yes, yes. And, and what it's and, leading to is you taking ownership of what's going on in your side and learning how to manage how you think and how you listen and to take ownership well, of your behaviors and not be right. on autopilot. Well, what mm-hmm. is the neuroscience? I mean, let's get into that for a little bit. We've got a limited time on the interview, and I want to try and get as much as I can. But the neuroscience of hyperlearning and how our subconscious and conscious mind plays a big role in how we yeah. learn. You know, you've talked yeah. about the ego. You've talked about the 10 powers. I think it's really important. We're going to drive people to buy the book. Um, I, I will say the way this book is designed, and this is a plug right now, uh, it's an easy read and there's food for thought. There's like medicine at the end of it. You know, if you want to find out how to do it, here it is. Here's how you can, you can do this. I love the design of the book. It's an easy read. It's not a bunch of technical terms. It's just about how you can transform to be a hyper learner. So that has to do with how we refire and we rewire our brain. Yes, uh, yes. Many of us are not there. You know, you're talking about this. They're not wired that way. So right. what would be three steps, two simple steps that somebody could take? You've already talked about some of them, but that they could rewire this brain and refire in a new way that made them excited. I think the first thing is is you got to go back to the inner peace. You got to quiet your ego, all right. And you can, in the best scientifically way, and I stress this: the best scientifically way, all right, to quiet your ego is to embrace meditation, mindfulness meditation to begin, and daily practice meditation. All right. Mm, okay. The science, the science is overwhelming. Right. Second thing is to quiet the ego is that, okay, I've got to understand that it's not all about me. And to think about those people in your life who helped you get to where you are, all right? And to basically who helped you during the day and during your work life or personal life. And and basically adopt gratitude, all right? 
have a gratitude practice where, uh, you know, you, you, you count how many times during the day that you thank somebody. Um, you give gratitude. I'll, I'll tell you what my gratitude practices are. My gratitude practices is, a, is I start out every morning when, when giving gratitude for this day and, 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 and saying, and I, I hope that I can, I want to use it wisely. And then during the day, I count the number of times I say thank you to people because some two, two things that are important to me is that I, in my daily intentions is to be kind and to be caring mm-hmm. and to be thankful. And uh, so you give thanks to people. And I mean, and, and, and people just totally underestimate how the, even if it's, even if it's somebody that you don't work closely with, but if it's somebody that's doing a service for you or, or anything, or you go, if you're going to the movie house and you go into the restroom and there's um, a, a, a person whose job is to clean the restroom, I mean, say to that person, thank you for keeping this so clean and, 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 and help us, helping us all stay healthy. Right. I mean, the look, the look in people's eyes and then, but that also helps you. And so what it says is it's not all about me. I, I can't succeed in this world by myself. It's not a survival of the fittest world. It is, a, it, is a, it is a world where we need others. And so gratitude is, is, is a way that you work on it. So, Ed, and, what about those listeners right now that are listening to this and they're going, oh, my gosh, he's just given me more homework to do, one more to-do task. And you say yeah. – you even mentioned in the book that you believe that we can have meaningful work in the digital age only if we add value by doing tasks that technology can't do well. So what are some of those tasks that we should be doing without the aid of not only the computers? Now, you're talking about some of them, giving gratitude, getting rid of the ego, having inner peace, uh, uh, you know, complimenting other people, appreciation. Okay, those are things that that is a a new habit that anybody can right. pick up. Now, right. what is that habit doing to actually accelerate our hyper learning so that we now can be of value to society? It, it allows us to basically change how we define ourselves, how we grade ourselves. All right. All of us were raised in a school system where the person who got the highest score, the winner was the person who scored the most points, all right, and made the fewest mistakes. And we're changing the definition, all right? This helps us change the definition of how we keep score. No no more is it how much I know, but then I'm going out in the world and I'm trying to be the best thinker, listener, collaborator that I can be, all right, and the best learner. And so I'm changing the definition of how I define myself from pass, fail, high grades, low grades, okay? And that also also changes how I identify myself as a person and how I get my good personal feelings. Because if I get my person, because all of hyper learning is going to occur in, in teams, the science is clear. No one can excel by themselves. No one can achieve learning excellence by themselves. You need others. All work in the future that the technology can't be done is going to be done with other human beings, either in small teams working on projects or you're going to be delivering personal services to people, Mm -hmm. eyeball to eyeball or one. And all of that is basically 
comes down to how do I basically connect and relate to people in such a way. And so all of this is leading towards a redefinition of what, how do I measure myself? It's, it's, it's not, and it's, it's by quality, not quantity, because the smart technology, the smart machines are going to know far more than we will ever know. They They will recall it so fast and they will recall it perfectly. So we've got to excel at the skills, at the skills that don't involve, if you will, um, those types of uh, activities. And those skills are highly emotional. And there's another skill. Well, in business, in business, Ed, they used to call these the soft skills. And as you know, as a business professor, you used to look at a balance sheet and you'd say, what was the biggest expense on the balance sheet? And people would look at it and it's their payroll. Usually Mm -hmm. is their payroll, right? And so how much have you invested in those people to, to help them develop those interpersonal skills, right? And that's a, a thing that we should be driving home because not all these people have the money or assets, but the businesses could. And if they're really looking for these kind of people, that's they what they should it. be doing. And, you know, yeah. you recommend this new way of being and you have a three-step process. And we'll make sure that we get this in in the time that we've got remaining you have this three-step process and this new way of being, and it helps people uh, to become more, uh, I don't know, you know, we're constantly in change, but adapting and ad- adopting to this change, these are ways you can do it. What's the three-step process in a new way of being? Inner peace, which we discussed. Uh-huh. Okay. Having a hyper-learning mindset, and we started discussing that in changing how we define ourselves. No longer are we defined by what we know. We are defined by the quality of our thinking, relating, listening, collaborating, learning. In other words, it's a quality definition. So therefore, we need to be on a journey that we that we manage what's going on in ourselves so we are more open to learning so we can rewire ourselves. And then number three is hyper-learning behaviors. It all comes down to behaviors. Um, my book is a very practical book. What yes. behaviors are necessary in order to be a good learner? Well, you got to be a curious person. You got to have an open mind. You got to basically be willing to test your ideas, all right? And to basically, when there's better data or you've learned something new that which quali- qualifies it, and you've got to be an expert listener to other people because you're going to be, whether you're going to be delivering services to people or whether you're going to be collaborating with people, you've got to basically be a great listener. And there's, there's others. And so the book basically puts out how do, you know, what there's a behavioral, hyper learning behavioral diagnostic in the book. And then there's a, the science of how you improve yourself, the best science on how behavior change. And the book invites you because it's a workbook. Also, it's got reflection times and it's got workshops with deliverables. Uh, so it's a workbook. It invites you to take the diagnostic and see how you do on the behaviors and which one do you need to work on. And then, then it helps you granularly define, okay, behavior. In effect, what would evidence the behavior I need to do and what would evidence the lack of it? so that I can grade myself and get feedback from people. So it's a very practical how-to book, all right, vis-a-vis that. The same thing once you jump over, if you will, to the organization. Uh, It's a a how-to book because organizations today primarily are organizations built upon the Industrial Revolution model where people basically, you know, 
speed, efficiency, and doing the same thing over and over again uh, without making mistakes is is critical. All right, and well, then you know, technology is going to do that. I mean, smart machines are going to replace the human machines of the industrial age. The humans are only going to be needed to do the stuff that the smart machines can't do. I mean, that's going to be the reality of the world, and that's the that's the innovative, the creative, the exploratory thinking, and the emotional engagement with other human beings. And so the book puts forth, how do you do that? And 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 you said something very important. You know, every business, it doesn't matter whether it's small. I was just talking to an 80-person entrepreneurial business yesterday and um, someone that I've been working with for some years. And, he, and he, um, the CEO changed it into an ESOP about seven years ago. And every every employee, no matter what their position, owns stock in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very humanistic, people centric, going all in the right directions, and and we were we were talking about the fact that that every company, including his eighty person company, is going to have to get more in the human development business. In other words, all the things I write about in the book, and there's two chapters in the book which talk about companies that are doing it. the things that we need to do as an individual when we go to work. Our workplace should be helping us do the same thing because our workplace needs the results. Every business is going to be in the human development business in addition to whatever its real its economic business is. The, well, so, what, what businesses should do, Ed, is they should buy your book and they should start a reading group. Whether you do it on Zoom or you do it in purpose in the conference room with masks and six feet mm-hmm. distancing, mm-hmm. Uh, you read a chapter and you discuss it. And you yeah. talk about the principles in this book that are being articulated uh, through the book, but at the same time can now be implemented to yes. help people adapt and adopt themselves so that they grow personally and professionally yes. at the same time. Now, yes. in the wrap-up to this, uh, you've talked about a lot today, but I want people to get the book because it is, as you call it, a guidebook. And it is, uh, it's filled with opportunities for people to do lessons and practice. Um, and there's mindset practices. So if you were to leave our listeners with anything that they could embrace about hyper learning, um, what would it be? And what would you have them do for the long run? In other words, if they're taking a big long term perspective on this and they're saying, okay, Ed, you said, I'm in my 30s now, and I work for XYZ Company, and let's say it's a mid-manager listening right now, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he or she is saying, well, I've got to embrace for what Ed just said, which is machines are going to take over. I have to improve myself. What are some of the steps they could start taking now, implementing, putting it into their DNA to become better hyper learners and just overall their best self, as you talk about in the book? If a person is 30 years old, I'd, I'd like I'd like the first thing to do when I'm having a conversation with him or her is say, do you realize with everything that's going to happen technology-wise what your life expectancy is? And they're going to say to me, because I have a daughter that's um, in, in that age group, they're going to say, well, I don't you know, 80, 90. No, you're going to live to way over 100. So you still got a long way to go. So... What I'm going to ask you to do is going to take some work, and you've got to be very self-disciplined, all right? And it's work that you have to do every day, and you can start out small, and it builds upon itself. And you have to understand that the job's never going to be done, okay? 
um, you know, I know Greg, you, when, before we were talking, you, you shared some of your journey. I mean, I've, I've been on, on my journey for decades. All right. And I still do my practices every morning and every night. I still review my daily intentions. How do I want to go out in the world and behave? What am I trying to improve? How do I want, what's the person I want to be today? All right. And I, and I, and I visualize doing that. So the book puts forth the, the formula and where, where you got to start is with inner peace because you, you've, you've got to, you've got to make sense of what we're, we're talking about. It's got to make meaning to you. When I work with people, we have these conversations and, and then what does it mean to you? What, what, what are you hearing? Why is it, why, why could this be important to you? Uh, and, and you get different reactions and then you have them talk over with their family members or with colleagues. So once you, once you, what's, what's the why I should be doing this, Ed? And the science says you need to do it to have a good probability of having meaningful work. But also the science is clear that in order to have a meaningful life and have happiness, which involves meaningful relationships, you should be doing it. But you, you create your own answer. What's my why? Okay, I got my why. Now where do I start? And you start on inner peace and my, 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 it's the, the one that's the foundation, you start with meditation and gratitude. You start working on the ego, all right? And then we'll, we'll go along. And then you, because meditation not only quiets the ego, it helps quiet the mind. Meditation not only quiets the ego and quiets the mind, it helps quiet the body, a calm body, all right? And you start learning like, I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my emotions. I don't right. have to react this way. I have choice. The book is big on the power of choice and taking ownership of what's going on inside. I mean, I can well, remember I, when I think Ed, what the ahead. book does, and Stephen Kotler's been on here many times with um, his books, Abundance and The Rise of mm-hmm. Superman, and and mm-hmm. everything. I mean, you know, he sold millions of books. But you know, when you say to adapt to the speed of change, I think what happens is, you know, people. I don't know if I particularly like this term, but I think it. It says if, if, if flow is the state of consciousness that we need to get to, uh, to, to actually be better people in the world. And we're all trying to reach that flow state. We need to shift our consciousness completely. Yes. And Mm -hmm. that's what your book does really good at doing is helping people find a new level of consciousness in their life that they feel at peace with that they're yes. not in fear. I mean, the amount yes. of fear that's embraced this world today, and this, again, is my own personal commentary, is just, you know, it's it's crazy. Um, yes. Yes, we have COVID, but mm-hmm. to to come back and retract and, and compress uh, and not be expansive in your thoughts and go into worry and fear and all that, that's not doing any good. It's just perpetuating it. Um, right. And we need to end that state of perpetuation. But I'll say on the other hand, maybe this is what we needed to go through to have the breakthrough the ceiling to a new level of consciousness in society. So I think there's good to come from this. There's a lot of positive. Your book is great, Ed. I'm going to just highly recommend this again. Go get Hyper Learning, How to Adapt to the Speed of Change by Edward Hess. We've been on with him this morning speaking about his new book. Ed, namaste to you. Uh, namaste to all the listeners. 
uh, please pick this book up. Enjoy it. Um, you can reach Ed. Um, he's easy to reach. Just type in, like I said earlier, at darden.virginia.edu. Faculty, his email address is right there. We'll also direct him to any other websites that you'd like for us to go to. But um, do reach out to him. He'd love to hear from you. Um, and do pick up the book. Ed, blessings to you. And again, all that you're doing to help shift consciousness and help people become hyper learners. Thank, thank, thank you, Greg. It's been great, great being, great being with you, and a, a big hug to you, and a big hug to all your, all your listeners, and uh, I wish every, everyone the best on their journey.